Welcome back, everybody. Democrats and Republicans, Tide and Tigers, Slapout residents, and especially Alabama Braves fans. My name's Ike Morgan, and we're down in Alabama. In Alabama State Legislature on Tuesday, a congressional redistricting plan that already passed the State House made it through the Senate Finance and Taxation General Fund Committee, reports AL.com's Mike Kaysen. The full Senate is considering the plan today and could pass it and send it to the governor to sign. There was some disagreement about four precincts in Jefferson County that are being moved under the plan that's being advanced. A substitute bill would have moved two precincts in Homewood from Democrat-leaning District 7 back to Republican-leaning 6 and would have moved two precincts in the Centerpoint area the opposite way, from 6 back to 7. Now, allowing those precincts to move presumably will make those districts just a little bit more balanced regarding their racial and ideological makeup. Redistricting plans for the state Senate and for the State Board of Education won committee approval as well and could get final passage today. Also at the Capitol, the Senate passed a bill to allow employees to claim medical and religious exemptions to President Biden's COVID-19 vaccine mandate. I know what you're saying, but the mandate itself has exemptions. Right, but the claim here by the Republicans behind the bill is that many people are being denied their exemptions under the mandate, but that this Alabama bill would allow people to claim those exemptions under state law. The bill now moves to the House. The Senate also passed a bill that would require minors to get parental consent before they get a vaccine. That rule would be an exemption right now to Alabama law that allows those 14 and older to provide their own consent to medical treatment. A minor strike at Warrior Met Coal in Tuscaloosa County, Alabama, has entered its eighth month, reports AL.com's William Thornton, and the company's third quarter numbers have been announced. First of all, net income for the quarter, $38.4 million, which is quite an improvement over the third quarter of last year when the COVID pandemic and related shutdowns left Warrior Met with about a $14.5 million loss. Q3 this year was the company's best quarter since the beginning of the pandemic. The company reports that business interruption expenses due to the strike were $6.9 million. Those expenses include security and labor negotiations, among other costs. The company also reported idle mine expenses of $9.3 million, as Mine 4 set idle and Mine 7 had reduced operations. Now, the strike began April 1st when about 1,100 miners walked off the job seeking more pay and better benefits than what they had negotiated as Warrior Met was emerging from the bankruptcy of the former Walter Energy. We've had a couple of major losses this week in Alabama journalism, and specifically to newspapers in the same advanced family as AL.com in this podcast. Longtime Huntsville Times news editor Joe Duncan died of heart failure early Monday morning at Huntsville Hospital, reports John Pruitt for AL.com. Former Times publisher Bob Ludwig called Duncan the unsung hero of that newsroom. Joe Duncan was 81 years old. Former Birmingham News sports journalist Charles Hollis passed away Monday on his farm in Cullman, reports AL.com's Ben Thomas. Hollis was at the news for more than 40 years, spending time on both the Auburn and Alabama beats. 
Back in the 80s, he was one of the trailblazers in this state for his role as a reporter focusing on a single primary college program. He later worked as an assistant sports editor of the news, and he was inducted into the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame in 2008. Former Birmingham News sports columnist Kevin Skarbinski, quote, He was as good a journalist as I've ever known. Charles cared about journalism. He cared about newspapers. He was the best newspaper guy ever met, end quote. Now, if y'all have read anything about Charles over the past day, you've seen people quoted talking about what a great person he was, and those sentiments are absolutely accurate. Charles was a guy you loved to get started telling inside stories about Alabama college football history. At night, right after the newspaper was put to press, if you hit him with the right question, he'd roll his chair back from his desk and think for a moment. And if he shook his head and smiled before he started talking, he was going to tell you a good one, and there was a good chance you were going to learn something. He wrote a picks column for AL.com right up through last week when he picked Auburn to beat Ole Miss with success, as you know. Charles Hollis was 69 years old. Something else I want to mention. Here at AL.com, we've established what we call the Alabama Education Lab. We don't just have an education reporter on staff, but we have a staff of journalists that are dedicated to covering K-12 issues, local K-12 issues inside the state of Alabama, covering education issues in the state and solutions that communities are using to make schools better. You can see some of the work being done at AL.com slash Education Lab. Now, all that stuff's free to read, but it's not free to produce, and the reporter's salaries for some of the new positions created are partly reader-supported. Right now, and through the end of the year, any donation is being matched by Report for America. You can contribute by going over to alabamaeducationlab.org support. If you choose to make a contribution, we certainly appreciate it. Thank you all for taking the time to listen to us. We'll be back again tomorrow with some more news. Until then, y'all come on by and see us on the internet at al.com.